Welcome to another edition of the Zionsville Triathlon Cycling Podcast. You've got Bill and Lauren here again today. And today we are going to continue our discussion on bike technology and all the fun toys that go along with that. So let's get started. Uh, Lauren, what do you think we should start with today? What's a bike? What's a bike? <laughs> uh, no. Uh, so no, we, there's, there's, uh, we kind of touched on the first one about tri bike versus road bike and all that kind of the basics. Now we're going to get into the, to the, the crazy stuff as I call it. Um, I mean, there's lots of stuff technology wise to talk about. It's made, I mean, there's, there's a big difference between tri bikes 10 years ago as to now. I mean, there's a big difference between tri bikes five years ago and now. Uh, so we can talk about like the technology, really want to kind of talk about the technology on it and, and just so people kind of know what it is and maybe we can kind of give better explanations of what it what they are and if they're necessary. Um, and again, I feel like every conversation we have when it comes to all this stuff is, is if you've got a ton of money, none of this really matters. Just buy what you want. Look cool, buy the latest and greatest, uh, you know, and just be Billy Badass out there on course. But, um, you know, if, if money's a factor, you don't have 10 trillion sitting in your bank account, then sometimes it's good to hear these things and uh, figure out which what's best for you. Right. So, yep. Because um, most of us uh, don't have that unlimited budget. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So, you know, it, it, talking about some of the stuff I think is good because there's just there's so much coming out for tri bikes and it keeps changing. Um, and and tri bikes themselves, I guess we could briefly touch on that because we kind of did, but they're changing. I mean, the the look of them, I mean, the, the, a tri bike doesn't look the same anymore. No, it, it doesn't. For the most part, you get like these Ventums, uh, the new Cervelo P5X, that the frame design is completely different. They're, they're missing tubes that, you know, before you had, uh, which isn't the first time this happened. People like Zip did it a long time ago, Softride did it a long time ago, um, and the technology just gotten better, so they're, they're doing that. And if we're completely honest, Ventum is one of the bikes. If I have to replace my tri bike, I'd really like it. I think it looks cool. Uh, I like that it has an integrated water bladder system. A lot of tri bikes now are coming with integrated. Um, well, water systems is, is something on a couple of them, but they're coming with like uh, I, I think the, the, the S Work Shiv is one. Um, I know Shima, or Specialized is doing a lot with that. Uh, right. BMC has one. They have basically boxes that carry your spare parts built in, so you don't have to have that saddle bag and stuff like that. So they're basically trying to make. More storage on the bike because for triathletes' needs because we're carrying a lot of stuff, which is something else we'll get into a little bit later. But well, yeah, um, and, it, and it makes it more aero too, so you have less drag. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know the the it's some of these bags I see on the back of people's bikes, it's like, geez, man, that's 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 huge. That's a that's, <laughs> that's a, a that's a suitcase. You know, <laughs> you got a suitcase back there. You know, maybe, yeah. So if you can make it a little more aero, it's never never a bad thing. So, um, but yeah, that that alone and that that again could be a whole different. I could probably spend a whole day talking just about actually by a lot of stuff. I could spend a whole podcast talking about, but the bikes in general. But I mean, they're all changing. Um, I, I guess for the for for the quick version of this for now, you know, if you have a tri bike now, what you really want is the you want the angle of a tri bike. Your seat put your angle there, uh, and you want um, you know the aero bars, and that's really what you're looking at now. You know, aerodynamic frame is kind of if you've bought one that's at least five years old, it's probably or maybe even more than that. It's probably already got an aerodynamic frame. All this new stuff is really just if you've got the money for it. Uh, so we'll leave it at that, and we'll get talk more about that later. But with frames and, and bikes, but uh, you know, one thing we could definitely talk about, I think that's a big, really big right now is the electronic shifting. Uh, I know you've probably heard a lot about it. You see a lot more people with it. 
Although a lot of times it's hard to, to see. I know with the DI2 especially, so there's, there's, there's technically there's three, uh, but we're going to talk about two. Uh, Shimano DI2, which is probably the most popular, and that's the one that sometimes you don't even tell because they're wires. It's a wired system, and sometimes the wires look like they could be derailleur wires, so you don't really know. Uh, and then there is the uh, SRAM's ETAP system, which is completely wireless. It's Bluetooth uh, and supposedly unhackable um, Bluetooth because professional cycling teams worry that you know essentially someone else's team car could get up next to you and change your gears for you and oh, you know sweet. mess you up on a climb yeah <laughs> and so they said it's basically they spent a lot they spent and they i think they were going to bring it out and they waited an extra year to to release it just to work on maybe not a full year but i know they spent a lot of time making sure it's not hackable They're not easily now Nothing's unhackable, unfortunately, in this day and age. So if someone really wanted to, they could. But if listen, if somebody wants to get next to me and mess up my gearing <laughs> in an age group, you know, have at it, buddy. Have at it. Yeah, you're not slowing me down that much. I'm already going slow. So um, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't think we have to worry about that too much. <laughs> right. Right. So the, it, you know, so electronic shifting started. Oh God, I think about seven. Yeah, I, you don't even know. It, it's been a while since DI2 came out, and, and the talk of it's been out, and I think, you know, they released it. Uh, Campy also has one, by the way. That's, I guess that was a third. Campignola has theirs. I know nothing about it. Um, like everything Campignola, it's super expensive, but probably awesome. Uh, I, I love Campignola stuff. I have it on one of my bikes, but it's very, very expensive, so um, I don't have it on my normal, everyday bikes. Uh, so I, today we're talking more about DI2, which I have, ETAP, which I have, have a lot of experience with. Uh, and may potentially get one day for my tri bike. Um, I really want nice. it for my tri bike. Uh, and let's talk about you know, what they are in the van. Just to look at their electronic shifting. Uh, Di two is a wired system. It's a little comp. It, it, how it works is not complicated. So, Bill, for you, if I put it on your bike, it's not complicated at all. For you, it's easy. It's going to be so you're going to be like, oh wow, and, and it's going to really it's going to change gears like a normal. It's going to feel almost like a cable system. You're not really going to notice a difference in like a weird how you shift or anything like that necessarily. It will shift, I think, better. Uh, and the the big advantage behind electronic shifting is the derailleur is meant to work with the, the cassette. And the derailleur knows that there is, for Shimano cassettes, there is 1.1 millimeters. And I, I don't know the exact numbers, but let's just use this. Between each gear... And so it sets that derailleur to move 1.1 millimeters. So it's always on. There's no cable stretching where it, you know, or actually technically where the housing shrinks. There's none of that to cause you to have to go out of, get out of, uh, out of whack, if that makes sense. Okay. Technically, as long as you don't hit the derailleur on something or accidentally, there is a mode you can switch on the fly, by the way. You can be riding and actually put it into this mode and you can adjust it. But as long as you don't hit it or adjust it on accident, technically it never goes out. It never goes out of whack. It's always perfect shifting every single time. So is it? And that you're basically retrofitting an older bike with this new electronic. Well, so that's 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 a discussion. So oh, okay. <laughs> that that's a whole that that's that's something to talk about between the two. Because um, yeah, so so the newer bikes are are made, um, and they actually they, they have different names for them, but their frame is essentially DI compatible. Uh, you know, electronic shifting compatible. Because those wires fit through, there is a wire in there. So, so if you think about it on a road bike, to use that as the easiest way, because a tri bike, then you're throwing things. There's there's buttons everywhere. Um, you have your 
your brake levers and your shifters right there. And essentially there's a wire coming from each of those. It goes to a box underneath your stem. And then there's something going from there down your down tube uh, to a battery. And then from there, there's something going to the rear derailleur and front derailleur. I mean, there's, there's, there's wires going everywhere and normal, you know, exterior wire frames either have their mounts for the wires on the exterior, which is kind of more old school. They've been putting them inside uh, more because it's, you know, more aerodynamic, less, less wind resistance. And the problem is, is even though if they have the wire, the cable inside, you can't necessarily route the electronic cables that way. So they have to have special, it's got to be done a little differently. And bikes essentially are being made now to have that, that, an easier way for electronic wire. So they don't have it. You have to retrofit it. So an example for our bikes, Bill and I have the exact same bike. We have a 2011 look five, seven, six arrow. Um, and it is not technically compatible for compatible for DI two. Uh, have people done it? Yeah. Yeah. It's it, you, people have actually I think put it even inside. It's just very time consuming, but people will put it on the outside and basically shrink wrap it around and all that stuff. No, I, I don't personally that I don't like the, Jimmy Riggett or whatever the name is, um, I would rather do so. So that's that's DI two. It's got the cables. It's got it's got a battery. It's usually in your seat post or it's underneath. Everything's connected with wires. So and you have to get the right size wires. You have to make sure you have the right size wires. But so so for the person using it, it's super easy. It's a fantastic system for a mechanic like me. It's a damn nightmare um, <laughs> getting it set up. Even just it's, it can be kind of difficult. Now, I'm sure, you know, if I were a Shimano tech all day working on this stuff, I'd be like, oh, that's really easy. And here it is. Yeah, it probably would be, but I'm not. Most mechanics aren't, you know, they don't work on DI2 complete setups all day, every day. Maybe there are some out there. I don't know. But it is, it is a bit of a – can be a bit of a pain in the ass. Now, if it already has all the, the DI2 cable routings for it, it's a little bit – it's a little bit easier, um, but no, like I said, so for setting up, it's a big pain, but if you're not setting it up and you have your local bike store do or something like that, don't worry about it. Who cares? It's not your problem. <laughs> it's their problem. Using it is fantastic. So are the shifters uh, is, the same or do the shifters change? Uh, are, the shifters are basically, the, it, they're basically the same because the road bike shifters, it, like I have it on my road bike, it basically looks like a road bike shifter. Okay. Um, it's just that instead of a, the, you know, when you usually press it on a road bike, you have quite a bit of, you kind of press it. It's got quite a bit of leverage there. It moves, I don't right. know, you know, a couple, an inch or inch and a half. Right. This moves, you know, two millimeters. It's just a button. You're basically just pressing a button. But it's still a lever at this point. It's not, yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. a physical It, it, it button. is, but it's, okay. it's, not, it's not nearly as much throw. You don't, you don't have to push um, it, it as hard. Yeah. Right. And it's instant. So it's very, very quick. Okay. Um, and a lot of people, you know, say, oh, my God, it's so much faster. And between electronic shifting companies, they say one is so much faster. Now, um, I don't know. I noticed the speed between electronic and, and cable, but between the electronics, I didn't really notice the difference. And, I, and I'm sure there is one by milliseconds or, you know, half a second even, but I'm not noticing that. Um, so you might need some adjustment in terms of getting used to it if you've never done it before. Yeah, I mean, so not really. Like, it's just faster. So okay. I, I, you don't really – I mean, I, you notice it, but I don't think you notice it where it's going to hurt you. You know, you just you shift and all of a sudden it's just a little bit – just that little bit quicker. We're talking just, just just that little bit quicker than – I mean – Okay. But it's it's always just right on, and that's what I really like about it. Um, it, it you, just, you never have to worry about it going out unless you hit it. Like, you hit it on something, you can put it out of whack, but it's – 
I've actually hit my rear derailleur. I, my bike fell over before a ride. I started riding, and I was like, "Oh man, it's 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 you know, it's not it's not changing right." So you hold down a button. And this is for the Di two. You hold down a button. All of a sudden, I'm in I'm in what's called trim mode, and you can trim it and move the you can move it. So if it's not quite set perfectly on the on the cassette, uh, if you're on the gear you're on, you can actually trim it to get back to there. And then all of a sudden, it's fixed. You press the button again. You're out of it. It works perfect again. But that's all while you while you're riding. You don't have to take it off. The you know, don't have to stop and and do all the stuff you'd have to do if it were the other way around. So um, I, I really, I really like that. Now eTap, the thing I really like about eTap is it's completely wireless. So let's say, for example, Bill, you decided to put it, you or I decided to put it on our, our tri bikes that are not really DI2 compatible because the wires just don't fit. Well, who cares? eTap can go on basically any bike because it's it's wireless. You put the rear derailleur on. You put the front derailleur on like like any other derailleur. And there's no wires. So you don't have to worry about that. You do need to put a SRAM crank on that kind of fits with the E-Tap. And I think they really want you using the red. I think some people said that the force, the newer force ones work. But I think I've also heard that the newer reds work a lot better. Um, they each have a battery. There's the exact same battery that goes on the front and back. So let's say you're out for a ride in your rear derailleur because you're using your rear derailleur more. All of a sudden, it's, it, it goes out of way. It, it goes out of juice. You have no juice left. Oh, God, what do I do? You can actually just swap your front and your rear, and your front won't move now, but your back you can use again. So I think that's pretty neat um, for the triathlon setup. Uh, and then the hoods have, I think the hoods have batteries. I gotta, I have to double-check exactly how that all works. But um, I can't remember all that because I never looked at the road setup. But for the tri setup there's a thing called a blip box and there are cables going from that but you have these buttons that are next to your brake hoods and then ones that are in the arrow oh so you got them in both locations nice yeah and, and you can with di2 as well but okay. there are cables and, and but so in this in this i guess for this reason they're the same for on the tri setup there's a what's called a blip box and there's four cables coming out with these little blip buttons and they go one to each brake hood and then one on each arrow bar where di2 has them has two buttons on each on each thing so there's eight buttons total it's only four bottles four buttons for um etap so on on my di2 if i had it on my tri bike on the and when i'm in the brake hoods i can make i can make the gear well i can you can do this either way but on the right based on the right side is your rear derailleur left side is your front and you can move them up and down from there on the etap they do it a little bit differently i want you to think about if you're sitting on your bike if you want to move it to the harder gears, you want to move it right, you hit the right button. If you want to make it easier in the back, you hit the left button. If you hit them both at the same time, then that adjusts the front derailleur. So that's how they they did theirs. Um, they, they, they did it a little bit differently. Um, but there's less buttons, less less bulk, I guess. So, um, But I, I think the ETAP, I like the ETAP system better, especially for tri-bikes. You can, you can put the buttons wherever you want. So for the most part, I think Di2, you know, their buttons are in a perfectly fine spot. It's not really gonna, you know, whatever. But if for some reason, it just doesn't fit your hand right. You know, your hands are turned, or I don't know. You can't put your hands because they're on the inside of the arrow bars. Let's say your arrow bars are really close in your hands. It's hard to get your hands down in there. You can put these blip buttons anywhere you want. That's pretty. You cool. can put them outside, underneath, to make them like little triggers if you wanted. So you, I, I really like that system. I like that it's completely wireless. So you don't have to worry about sticking wires anywhere. I mean, I can get a. I can get an ETAP set up and not including the crank, just switching out derailleurs would take me, I wish I could have it done in, in 15 minutes where a DI2 setup is going to take me two hours. 
just getting through all those wires or getting the wires through yeah. the bike and all yeah. that. Yeah. And, you know, this is from coming from a bike mechanic though. So yeah. uh, from your point of view, I don't think you notice much of a difference. You have to get used to SRAM's kind of different setup with how they shift. But um, I think electronic shifting is the way it's the way it's going. I think both companies. So right now Shimano has it on their top end uh, Durace, then has it on the Shimano Ultegra. I believe 105 is coming out later this year or be next year. It's coming out here pretty soon for electronic shifting. Uh, if I heard that right, they have it on their mountain bike groups as well. Uh, but SRAM has it just on the red, their top end. I, I assume force will be coming out soon, but I could be completely wrong. They, they just may ETAP may just be ETAP, not ETAP red. They may just make it that, I, I don't know. I haven't heard anything about that, but I, I can't imagine that they're not going to come out with a little less expensive version and usually what that means is it's just a little bit heavier and that's usually actually pretty much exactly what it is uh, <laughs> right yeah I mean, with electronic shifting it mean because it's the the mechanism is the same it's just going to be there use a, maybe a heavier alloy because I, I that's why i tell people as much as you know it, I, I have the ultegra di2 and i can't imagine getting the durace which is you know a step higher but all i'm doing is saving a couple grams i don't think i mean each one is going to shift does that perfect shifting every time. I, I don't, I don't see, you know, that's what, that's what electronic shifting is meant to be. It's meant to kind of take away that cable mm-hmm. actuation and that you basically get a perfect shift every time. So I don't know, you know, you're spending more money for less, less weight, which is another fun thing we'll get to talk about here today because that's, that's a big thing. But yeah, yeah, I think you definitely, if you have an opportunity to, to ride it, definitely ride the electronic shifting. I think it's going that way. I think in the next ten years, most bikes, uh, tri bikes, will have electronic shifting, and they'll be like, because I think it'll it'll trickle down to the 105s and stuff like that, and you'll have it um, start showing up more and more, and, and you really only have to go like the bikes that are, I think a, a tri bikes really kind of start start around that 2,000 and up range, 2,000 dollars and up. Uh, there are cheaper ones, but they're just not, you know, if you're wanting to really get a bike and keep it for a while, um, you're spending at least 2,000 to 2,500 even. And I, I think by the next like five to ten years, all of those will have electronic shifting. So uh, I, I really like it. I I, I want to get it for my tri bike, or if I get a new tri bike, it will have electronic shifting of some sorts. My road bike has it, and it's, it's I, I love it. Uh, I don't know what I did without it, and I was a skeptic. I was an old I'm an old school guy because I have an old you know 80s steel road road bike with camping, so I have the old school stuff too. But once I rode the Di2, I was like, yeah, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's too good it's too good so tell me about the batteries what are they rechargeable what, how long do they last so the shimano has a uh, a brain box let's call it you put it on usually it goes underneath the stem uh you actually there's a port and that that's it, everything kind of goes from there all these wires go from there to all the, all the parts on the side it's got a thing a port you can open up which you can also put into your computer and you can actually change what each button does. You can actually make buttons do exactly what you want them to do. So you can actually change and say that the buttons on the right actually work the front. Or, I mean, you can do whatever you want. But um, you plug in something there and you charge it. You, it's a rechargeable battery. Uh, you get, I think they said, a thousand miles from uh, a battery charge on the Shimano. And there's actually a way to tell. You hold down a button, and it'll flash solid green, flashing green. Uh, Solid yellow, flashing yellow. No, maybe it's just flashing green, solid, solid yellow, flashing yellow, and red. And basically, you know, I think we all know what those, you know, green means you've got like 75 plus, red means you have less than 25%. So you can check the stats. We had charges, 
takes a couple of hours, I think, although I had a completely empty charge. So what happens with Shimano is your rear derailleur will stop working first, or your uh, front derailleur will stop working first, and what it'll do is it'll shift into the small gear up front, and then the rest of it. So you cannot shift your front derailleur any longer, but it is in the easiest gear. You just have, and it'll, it'll send all the power to the back. That's when you know you're really low. I had that happen right before a ride. I was leaving for a Nevo ride, and I was leaving uh, a little early. So it happened. I came in. I charged it for 15 minutes, and I had I made it through that whole ride and then another ride because I forgot to charge it without having to charge it, and I probably could have kept going. So in 15 minutes, I got a pretty good charge. So it um, doesn't take long to charge. Uh, it plugs into the wall. E-tap is very similar to their batteries that uh, just come off, and then you put them like in a charging station. Okay. And uh, they last a little bit less, but the cool thing about ETAP again, and I sound like I know, I really like, I have Shimano, and I really want ETAP. It sounds like I'm, I'm more of a fan of ETAP. I don't know if I am, but I, I do really <laughs> like some of their stuff. Is you can actually have other batteries. So let's say we're going for a really, let's say we're doing a, a ride out. We're going out to Colorado, and we're going to be camping out. I don't know what kind of, I mean, I don't know what kind of, what, like, you know, we're going to have electricity. We won't have electricity for a couple of days. Well, you can actually buy extra batteries and keep them with you, so you could charge them up. And essentially have two extra batteries, just one extra battery with you in case one one goes. And I think they they say I want to say five hundred miles. That may not be right. I, I'd have to I, maybe I can look it up here in a second. But um, they uh, you don't get quite the mileage out of them, but you still get pretty good. And the cool part about that again is you use your rear derailleur substantially more than your front, or at least most people do. And when your rear goes, you can actually flop them, and your front one won't change. So that's pretty neat. Now the for the road bike on the SRAM, they use like a, a 2032 battery, that CR20, in the in the shift handles. Or, some, or maybe two of them or something like that. At least they did, or that was a talk. And I, I just haven't really paid attention to a lot of that because I don't, I didn't want the road setup. I want the tri setup. I know the Blipbox takes a small battery, not not the rechargeable like the other one. So, um, but it's, yeah, small battery. So that's how you charge those. Pretty, pretty easy. Um, I've charged. I've had my road bike now for three, three and a half years. Let's go with that. Uh, and I have charged it probably, probably three. I mean, I, I, I've, I've gone away. I've gone away more than a thousand miles before I had to charge it. I've only charged it probably three or four times. Okay. Well, yeah. I guess what I was worried about is you get into an Ironman event and your your battery dies. Well, <laughs> so. well hopefully you'll you'll have charged it beforehand, like the night before right. or a couple days. I mean. Just, a charge will last more than a day. It, it, it'll right, last right, right, right. Well, so that's that. yeah. I actually this winter I didn't ride it at all because I had my my other bike out of my trainer, so it was five uh, four months I hadn't ridden it, and I was like, man, I better charge this thing. And it actually was still it was still in the it was in the the orange or the yellow or whatever the orange light. So it still had about fifty percent, and that was with me using it before, and so I, I charged it then, but it doesn't really drain much just sitting there. Yeah, I mean, four months is kind of the longest. I think a road bike should sit there just over like a winter season, but uh, um, it doesn't really drain much then. And, and like I said, charging is pretty quick. Uh, I, I will probably charge it again. I, I charge it. I charge it then. I charge it at the beginning of the season, um, and I have not charged it since. And I will charge it again before I do the hilly hundred on it. So um, when I come back from Ironman Chattanooga, I'll probably charge it just to make sure I have plenty of battery down there. There'll be there'll be a lot of gear changes there, so I'll make sure. But I mean, like I said, you don't really have to to do much, and it's kind of it's kind of neat. I think they I think that's one thing all the companies really wanted to work on was making sure that electronic shifting, that battery life, was not going to be an issue. Not you know not going to be fifty miles and you got to switch because then that's pointless. <laughs> right. 
you know, people are con- uh, consistently riding 100 plus miles, and so I think they want them to, to last. So um, either system, I, you know, go out there, check them out. Yes, they're expensive, but I think they'll start getting cheaper. Um, and you can probably even start finding used ones because people are getting the the newer. Uh, I believe when Shimano started, it was 10 speed. So uh, now it's up to 11 speed. So maybe you can find a 10 speed system or an old 11 speed system or an old Tegra system. But uh, or go ride a new bike with them. It, I, I think it's it's fabulous. I I, I I won't buy a bike with components that aren't Di2 for a road and tri bike. If I have to buy a complete bike, I, it will have some sort of electronic shifting on it. Unless I have an electronic shifting, I'm going to build up a new bike. You know, I'll maybe buy just a frame, but you, you know what I'm saying? It, it's right. the way to go. Yeah. Okay. So, um, that was a big one. Like I said, I probably got to talk. I, I don't know if I actually could talk more about it. I think that was actually probably all of it. So I, I think it's, fan, it's, it's fabulous. It's fantastic. Go try it out. Um, yeah. So, I guess we have to talk about it. So there's lots of other stuff to talk about. And now I feel like we spent a lot of time on DI2. But let's go to like, I want to talk about aero stuff. Okay. And I, it's a very broad. So I don't want to talk about necessarily the aero helmets. I want to talk about like, you know, aero wheels and aero frames. And, uh, you know, I think that's a big bike tech that people are looking at. And this one actually is going to be fairly, I'll keep this one fairly short. You've got aero wheels and an aero helmet. Yes, I do. Uh, and you have an aero frame. Uh, right, yeah. It's an so older, you have, older version bike, but yeah. Well, you mentioned it earlier. It's 2011, so it's not the most yeah. current, but it's still yeah, we, it's still aero. We need new bikes. Yeah, no, yeah. I get what you're saying. Um, <laughs> that's the, that's a, that's really a big. You know, we're in the we're in the the age of aero right now. That's that's kind of I think really the big because uh, even all the stuff like the, the new bike frames that we were talking about, it's all because it's coming out with uh, it's it's aero. It's, it's more aero. You have less drag. Um, everything's wind tunnel tested and all that and <laughs> it's yeah i'm trying to think of that one the diamondback like andoran andian what the thing is i can't think of what it's called it's it's their new diamondback as one. Well. they actually took like a motorcycle this thing looks like a doesn't even look like a bike anymore it's pretty pretty crazy um it's pretty crazy uh it, but i mean they're really getting into that aerodynamic stuff and then the wheels you know disc wheel 808 404 you know reynolds strike and assault you know basically all these different you know levels you can get and they're becoming more aero and and better at wind at a 12 percent yard which i still don't know exactly what it means they don't have a <laughs> you know degree in in engineering but um i love how they give you those stats they give you these stats in like the most dumbass like like Okay, great. If I, I need I need to hire somebody to understand this, <laughs> you know, most people don't have like an engineering background with yaw angles and stuff like that. Right. It, it is what it is. <laughs> I always find that funny. I'm like, listen, I don't know what you're saying to me. So yeah, I, ju- I just uh, found the Andean bike by Diamondback. It, it that, is Andean. Okay, yeah, it, nothing crazy. That that's that's pretty funky looking. <laughs> if you get a chance, so, check it out. But <laughs> rumor is when they released that bike, they it was right around Kona, and they had a guy on it who raced and they basically told this guy, this is a rumor I heard. They basically said, listen, I don't, we don't give two craps about how you do in the rest of the race. You're going to go out on the bike and you're going to crush it. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Win the bike. I don't care if your legs are trashed for the run, win the bike. And they said, you get a free bike. We're going to sponsor you. I don't care about the rest of your race. Swim as fast as you want. 
win the bike and not necessarily being the first one in on the bike because you know you swim times are different but and i think he was one of the fastest riders i don't know if he actually won it but he was the fastest fastest cyclist but he was up there uh, but that was a rumor i heard that he uh they, they hired him to basically scrap his race, his, his, his chances at a podium and just ride as hard as he can on this thing because it was just so crazy looking. I mean, you, you see it. It's, yeah, it's, it's pretty it's, wild. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a wild one, it, but it, it, in a good way. I, I, think, I think it's neat. Uh, I'm glad that they're, they're doing stuff like that because I, I – and like the Ventums, I'm glad they're going with these different frames. It's cool. It's, uh, it, it's neat to see, uh, and they're fun for the people who maybe can't afford them, but they're fun to fun to watch to, to look at. And say, oh, that's pretty neat. And this um, and this bike is one of those bikes that has all those integrated uh, yeah. components that hold things, so it's got all that built into the frame. It's written, and most yeah. of them do. Most of them do. Um, I'm actually going to look up. See, I'm going to look up Cervelo uh, because they've got the P5X, which is their kind of their top end. Which, by the way, when I did, I watched one of our cyclists. Um, uh, Jessica did Louisville last year, and I was just counting the people going by on these P5s. I'm like, what do these people do? <laughs> to afford I mean, these bikes? <laughs> this, yeah, this bike is an expensive bike. but uh, So, yeah, that's I'm looking at the P5X. It doesn't have the seat seat tube, essentially. It just uh, has a bar coming across, so kind of like the old soft rides. Um, but, yeah, there's some, crazy, there's some crazy stuff out there. The Ventum basically doesn't have the down tube. Right and the, and the top seat stay, so it's very uh, the seat stays. So it's uh, it's weird what they're taking out. This one doesn't have seat stays or a seat tube. It's just uh, if you look at the P five X, it's 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 just crazy. So um, the arrow is really big right now, and the wheels the wheels have stayed fairly. They haven't gotten too crazy. Zip came out with the NSWs, which has uh, the a little bit of a different design on the inside of the wheel. It's supposed to be like a whale and supposed to make you faster. Um. You know, helmets, there's always the helmets, there's the skin suits. Uh, it's, everything's becoming as, you know, get as aero as possible, less drag. And, and that makes sense, by the way. This all makes sense. Um, less drag, the faster you go. I mean, that's, that's pretty, that's like a race car. Right. I, I race cars for a while, so I understand it from there that, you know, that, that's a true statement. In Formula One, they will spend a million dollars to shave three grams and be point zero 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 one, you know, less of a drag coefficient. And they'll spend millions of dollars on this. So, because, you know, evidently it makes a difference, even though it doesn't really, there's only two companies, you know, usually there's only like two or three companies actually have in the, you know, been for contention. So, but, um, they, yeah, it just, a lot of money can be spent on making yourself more aero. And I, that's, that's definitely something to look at. Like I said, when you go with aero wheels, you know, make sure if you get a deep, deep dish wheels in both front and rear, you know, just know that if it's a really windy course, you may not be able to use that deep dish front, front wheel because it's going to, that like a sidewind, I've seen it happen. Literally at Ironman Florida, I saw it happen. Someone just fell over. If you have a disc rear and it's really windy, right. you're going to get. You're not going to be able to. Sometimes it's not even legal to ride them. Uh, they don't make it. Uh, you can't use a disc for some some races. So um, you know, be smart about what you get. And you know, if you're if you have to buy you know one wheel set and that's all you can really afford, I always say get the the you know deeper dish rear wheel, not a not a disc, but the deep dish rear and a little less dish up front. Usually what for a zip version it would be the four oh four front and the eight oh eight back, which is called the six oh six combo. because um, that's your most utilitarian wheel set for right. arrows. So yeah. um, and helmets, just try on different helmets, see which one you like because make sure if it has a built in visor, make sure the visor isn't like, hitting you in the nose or uh, isn't too high or something like that. So, you know, really just go check that stuff out. So there's lots of aero stuff out there. It keeps on going. I don't even think we can talk about it. Cause there's just too much stuff. 
but definitely it's one of those to go out there and and um, and look at and, and again see what kind of money you're able to throw at it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Is really well, the most, do yeah. you know anything about or have you tested like multi-spoke versus like a three-spoke uh, arrow mm-hmm. wheel? Yeah, uh, it, there's a bit of a difference, and head makes, I know, a three-spoke, I think the Stinger, um, and Zip used to. Uh, I, I assume by Zip no longer making it, just because Zip tends to be the um, kind in of the, the forefront or in the leader. In yeah, they, yeah, they tend to, if they're not doing it, there must they must have been able, they must have, there must not be that big of a difference anymore because I know uh, Envy doesn't. I don't think has one. Most of them don't have one. Head still has theirs, but uh, my guess is just the difference isn't as big as, as it's worth to, to make the wheel, or, or you know, okay. or, it's, right. or it's not there at all. It used to be the big thing. Spinergy made a set of wheels too. It was actually technically eight carbon spokes and a plus pattern on each side, so four on each side. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if they make wheels anymore. I had, I had, I had one of those wheels. Uh, they were also banned from track cycling because the bladed carbon was so sharp that if you got your hand cut in there, it chopped off some guy's finger at a track race. And nice, because he felt you know track racing, you fall off your bike a lot, and they're so sharp they'll they'll, they'll yeah hurt him pretty bad. So, uh, okay. I, so I don't think it was actually that big of a deal anymore. I think it's really just all in the rim, and it's how it buffers the air or something okay. like that. We we, should, we can have an engineer on sometime to talk about it. Although I'll probably just take a nap while he talks, and you can you can ask him <laughs> questions. I don't understand any of it. Let's be honest. All right. Um, so there's also another big, you know, thing we can talk about is, is weight. And again, I can make this a pretty quick conversation. Um, lightweight is also the, the biggest thing. And you will see people spend $300 to save 10 grams. And in triathlon, I think for road bike road races. Yeah. For the tour guys. Sure. Okay. They've got the money to one, but for the everyday person, I just think spending three hundred dollars for ten grams, especially a triathlete, is silly because you're gonna what you're gonna end up doing is packing. I think I was talking about this before we started started the show, but like packing an extra Cliff Bar, which is you know thirty grams, and now you've just you just added twenty extra grams. You probably you could just don't don't take that maybe, or I don't know. It's just a lot of money can be spent to make very little difference. Right. Yeah, and I I think that's another thing is people need to, to not worry about weight as much. I mean, there's a point in time where yeah, you need to worry about weight. If your if your tri bike setup is 32 pounds, okay, it's time to talk about weight. Um, <laughs> 32 pounds is the equivalent of like some just morbidly obese. That's 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 very big. That's a there. Are, I mean, most full suspension mountain bikes now aren't even that <laughs> that uh, that heavy. I think I think mine's like 26 pounds. Yeah, they're not even that heavy. So. Uh, but once you're around underneath about the 24 mark, I think that's really all you really need. You can get tri bikes now, I think uh, even in the 18 pound range. But uh, there's just so much stuff you take, especially on the long distance tries. There's so much nutrition. There's so much water you got to keep in there. You know, you're keeping probably maybe some other stuff with you if you're an age grouper like me. I'm keeping like extra blue rub, uh, chamois cream, and um, it, that kind of those kind of that kind of weight doesn't make a huge. You know, I, I've got I've got a two pounds worth of crap with me uh so saving 50 grams and spending a thousand dollars is really not i not i don't think it's a good i'd rather spend my money elsewhere right yeah i agree so yeah um so yeah yeah so lightweight is it is what it is and that's the difference between like your Shimano, well, not Shimano, sorry, Dura Ace and then Shimano Ultegra, even though Shimano does make 
Duris. It's not Shimano Duris. I think I talked about that before. Um, you really, you're paying. You're paying. Sometimes there's a little bit of technology, but like for the Di2, it's just weight. You're, you're saving weight. I mean, there's a couple of little things, but nothing really most people are going to notice. It's just a weight savings, and, and you're spending substantially more for it. And I, I just don't think that's really a, necessarily a um, something really needed. You know, like I don't know if you really need to. Again, if you've got all the money in the world, go for it. But otherwise, yeah, just look for something. The 105 usually, 105 or Ultegra will do you just fine or, you know, the Force. And, and don't worry about getting the water bottle cage holder, you know, that is three grams lighter than most. I mean, that, you're not – you're going to spend 50 bucks on the water bottle holder and <laughs> for three grams. And there's no there's no point in that. <laughs> right. In my opinion. In my opinion. So um, there's that there's that piece of whatever um, – do with it what you will. Shave, shave, shave. If you want to say get some free weight, shave your legs or shave all the as much of your hair off as you can, and and you know just <laughs> maybe don't eat that donut you know two days before a race. That'll be <laughs> That's how you save weight. Um, another big thing, people. You know, I, I see a lot of people talking about is power meters. Um, I actually don't have a ton of experience with power, power meters. I, I don't because I don't use one. I don't. I don't. Um, I'm trying to word this so I don't offend anybody. I don't. I just. I just don't care about my power. Um, I know roughly where it's at, and I'm good with that. Um, but there are a lot of different power meters. You can get them uh, on the pedal, which is becoming more common. In the crank, uh, which is also very common. And the kind of the original was in the hub of the wheel, which is less common now. Um, and there's actually other power meters out there. They oddly enough now there's a way. I think they have one that you can put on like a stem to basically. And I don't know. I don't know how it measures it. So I'm not even going to try to pretend to explain it. But um, Essentially, power meter is just going to tell you what your power is. It'll tell you usually what your current power is. And there's usually uh, for cranks and for pedals, there's one sided or two sided. So it'll tell you each side if your power is even. So, you know, both legs are basically putting out the same power. Power Because uh, you'd want to know if one leg was putting out, you know, 60% of it and the other was 40%. That'd be a big difference. But uh, um, power meters are really, it, they just measure your watts. Um, people will train with watts. They'll say, okay, I need to keep it a you know, 180 watts for my Ironman because um, they're constantly looking at this wattage number. And, and, and again, it's something I think is just really expensive and not not completely necessary uh, unless you do want to train that way. That's fine. There's also heart rate training. I use heart rate training and, and I, but I don't even stare at my heart rate the whole time because a lot of people, that's what they do. They do heart rate or they do power. They stare at those numbers the whole time. And I, I just go off how I feel. Uh, I'll look at my heart rate every once in a while. I'm sure people do that with the power, too, just every once in a while. But um, power meters are expensive. Heart rate monitor is cheaper. That's why I went with that. Yeah, because I, I find myself, if I get into watching the numbers, I stress more. And, oh, yeah. And my my effort level drops. Or not necessarily drops, but I, my efficiency drops So because I'm stressing more. And if I don't yep. pay attention to the numbers, I do better. But, yeah, you go off feel more than anything. And that's really what all those measurements are doing is – they're making you regulate yourself so you don't over, over, yeah. um, over attack a hill or you know like spend all your energy in one part of the race. So you're trying to even it out and make it a more consistent ride. So if you pay attention to yourself, I mean, <laughs> you're you're your own, you're your best uh, monitor. I mean, those things are helpful, yeah. I guess, because if you get sidetracked on other thoughts or not paying attention to what you're doing. But um, usually, yeah, it's all based on how uh, your effort levels and how you're feeling. So that's, I mean, I'm, I'm like you, I go off my feel, feel how I'm doing. If I feel like I'm exerting too much energy, I back off. But, um, it's, 
Yeah, and I don't have power meters either. I don't train with them, and so I can't I can't be objective about it. But <laughs> um, but that's that's yeah. I, that's what I do is I go off feel. And they're and they're nice. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if I I, I thought about getting one at one point in time, um, I actually was on the pre order list, and then uh, evidently somebody took my money and didn't give it to me, and that's a whole other story for a whole different day. Uh, I got my money back. Don't worry. But uh, yeah, I was going to get the pedal version. And I thought, you know, let's try, let's try this. I got a good deal on it. So I said, let's try this. Um, let's, let's see if, um, let's see if this works for me. And, uh, I, so I never ended up getting it because the, the, uh, local shop didn't, didn't order it for me. Um, but I'm also, I'm, I guess I'm kind of glad I didn't really want to, uh, I, I guess it's just one more. It's one more thing to look at. It's one more thing to, to worry about. Uh, and I, I'll, I'll stick with the heart rate. And to be honest, on the bike, on, on the swim, I don't look at my heart rate because you're not going to look at your heart rate while you're swimming. Um, but I, I know I, I'm swimming within my heart rate zone. On the bike, for the most part, I could feel it. when I'm huffing and puffing. I'm over my heart rate. When I when I go up a hill, I'm going above my heart rate. So it's just going to happen. <laughs> right. When I climb, I can't keep in it. Uh, when I run, I'll watch it a little more while I run. That's about the only time I actually. I'll, t- I'll look down at it every couple minutes or so just to see see what it's like. Uh, but I'm also, you know, if I'm on the run, I get so bored. I think I'm looking at numbers just to have numbers to look at. Okay. All right. I, I just get bored. I get, and actually, I was thinking about this the other day. I think an Ironman in general is just kind of boring. It's just so long. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's so a long time. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a long time. So, um, so yeah, short version of the power meters, it, it, you know, it's it's definitely a training tool you can use. It's It's, it's one of many. Um, if you like it, great. I, you know, I don't really want to knock it. I just not, it's not for me personally. Uh, it's just one extra thing. And I feel like I have to look at it a lot. Uh, I think if anything, I wanted a power meter just so I could see what my power was at certain times. I'd love to see what my power was steady state. I think it's usually about 175 to 195 or something like that, uh, which it probably should be higher, but I love to see it. Like when I do like sprints, we'll do a little sprint zones on our group rides um, our team group rides, and I'd love to see, like, in that. I did a sprint the other day, I got to, like 32 miles per hour, and I'd love to see what nice. my power was then. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know the power meter, it's not that big of a deal for me. I know my heart rate was through the roof, so <laughs> uh, lots of power meters out, lots of companies out there to look at. There's cheaper ones, there's more expensive ones. Unfortunately, I can't really tell you if the more expensive ones are really worth it. Uh, usually I try to find a happy medium. I don't buy the most expensive. I don't buy the cheapest. Cheapest. I find something in the middle, maybe even towards the more expensive side, but not the most expensive. Uh, a reputable company, good good warranty, or you know, sometimes if they have a 90-day guarantee, if you get it and you're like, man, this is stupid. So lots to check out. Um, I guess the two other things I'm going to talk about are two things that are becoming like really more recently. So, you know, Electronic shifting has been around for a while. Aero stuff has really kind of been a thing for, for a long time. Lightweight has been a thing for a very long time. Power meters have been around for probably 10 years. But uh, disc brakes on road bikes have been around for a while, but they're becoming uh, more popular on road bi- on tri bikes. The Cervelo P5X, I believe that Diamondback Andean, all, I think they, they all have it. I don't know if they have options without it. I could be correct there, but I know they have options with it disc brakes are becoming more of a thing. Um, so the quick version with disc brakes, rim brakes are what you have on your bike probably now. Uh, it, it grabs the rim to slow you down. A disc brake has a disc around the hub, and it uses a caliper like your, your car would to, to brake. And it's a better, it's better braking for all conditions. Um, it's, you know, if, it's wet, if it's wet out, it, it brakes better. 
and it, it breaks better for like hills and stuff like that. Uh, I think for the most part, if I'm honest, I don't think they belong on tri bikes because unless they have a big aerodynamic uh, advantage, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, and they, I see how they could, but I also see because now that people have built all these brake for the rim brakes. They built all these ways for the, those to be aerodynamic, but I don't think there's a big advantage because you don't. In a tri-race, you shouldn't be breaking all that much anyway, and usually the <laughs> courses aren't so bad. I mean, yeah, you'll have a, a race every once in a while that's really wet, but do you want to spend all this extra money? Let's use the example. Let's pretend, Bill, you go buy a Cervelo P5X tomorrow. You've got disc brakes now. Cool. I'm going to throw my 808s on there for a race day. Oh, wait. No, I'm not because I have to get a whole new set of 808s. You can't just, you know, you can't right. just, like, put a disc brake. You have to get a whole new set of wheels. Um, uh, and there was somebody that was talking about this on a road ride. They were pissed. They bought this bike and they had they had a, a nice they had like three sets of wheels that they had bought over the years nice set of wheels and they bought this bike with disc brakes didn't even think about it and like oh damn what do i do i have these like very very nice wheel sets now that i can't use on my disc brake road bike um for road bikes yeah i can see it more because you're doing hilly stuff and some tri bikes you're doing hilly stuff if, you, if you're let me spin this way if you live in colorado you live around the mountains or the hill you know a lot of hills yeah you know probably worth it if you're always riding in rain yeah yeah, yeah. but if you're in indiana if I see you on a tri bike and with disc brakes in Indiana, I'm going to laugh at you. Um, <laughs> you either have more money than you need, and like I said, I think the P5 maybe the P5X only comes with disc brakes, and that's fine. I won't laugh at you too hard, but I mean, I, if, they're they're another if they're hydraulic, they're another thing you have to like. It's difficult to be if you're home if you want to be a home mechanic. It's a, disc brakes are not hydraulic disc brakes are not easy to work on. No. Uh, I've been I've been a mechanic for a long time, and that, I still struggle with those. Um, it's a difficult thing to do, so it's one extra thing. You know, it's regular brakes are easy, so I, I don't, I don't love them. Um, I, I, for a mountain bike, heck yeah! For a mountain bike, I think they're they're a must. Actually, I think you really got to have them for your your mountain bike. They make a big difference. Um, I've ridden them on the road, and I didn't really notice that much of a difference. Cause I'm not braking hard enough to make it to make myself feel the difference. So, I live in Indiana; it's flat. Uh, if I live in Colorado, I'd probably have a different story. I bet you my road bike would have disc brakes. <clears throat> I don't know if my tri bike would, but uh, that's another big thing. And then the other big thing that's kind of coming out is the one by systems. So, Bill, on your tri bike, on my tri bike, on, on my road bike, on, it's got two gears up front and then you know ten or eleven in back. Uh, and the people are now going to the one by, so it's just one up front because they're not. So instead of having a fifty three up front they're going with like the compact like the 50 which actually i use now but some people are even going with like a 48 just having that one gear up front and then still having your speeds in back so you, you get rid of the front derailleur so they're now it's lightweight uh more aerodynamic because there's no front derailleur uh, you don't have to worry about a, the operations of a front derailleur going wrong uh, so you don't have to worry about the chain necessarily coming off from a shift so there's some advantages to that if you can get the right gear ratio but if you have a really hilly course you know i know i use both my small and my big ring um that, that that's really course dependent if it's a flat course yeah i could see that there's plenty of courses actually around here i only use my big gear so i could do the one by system but then i'd have to switch it out for other courses so chattanooga it's, i'll so need both <laughs> basically it's just a um a weight and arrow savings or is that, um, is that why they do yeah that, yeah i mean for the most part it's it's, it's it's basically just one less moving part okay you know you don't have to deal with it why, why deal with it? You know, basically your thought is, I, I think, I think what it came around was, and it's actually, I mean, I, I've thought of, I bet you a lot of people have thought about it on tri, tri bikes. Why do I even have this front derailleur? 
Like, especially <laughs> people live here in Indiana. Why, why is this here? Yeah. I never you. I never ship down. <laughs> I know. So you're always in the big gear, yeah. Yeah, you're always in the big gear. And especially for like the sprint to Olympic races, even on hills there, I won't go down to my little ring for hills there. Even if it's a hard hill, I'll just grind it out because it's kind of a full-on sprint. But, you know, for, for halves and full is a little different story. But I think just, man, why do I even have this here? And if you could... You save whatever 110 grams for a front derailleur, and you save the aerodynamic savings. Plus, then you don't have a front shifter, which that save that. And there's not there's one less moving part, you know, and less likely for the chain just to, you know, miss shift when you're shifting up or down. So it has some advantages. Um, I, I would I would do it, but I'd always have a a, a front derailleur ready to go, which is also why the ETAP thing would be great because an ETAP. You take the front derailleur off, you can keep the shifter up there. Nobody cares. It's not hurting anybody because it's not going to do anything. And it's not really – those little blips are weigh nothing. And if I want to put it back on, I change out the crank real quick, put that on. But uh, that's, that's, again, that's for, that's for either another bike or another day when I have money to buy all that. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so there's a quick rundown on, I guess, that's that's the stuff I had on my list. I don't know if you have anything on yours you want to talk about as far as bike, bike tech and bike – stuff well one thing I mean, we haven't really talked about yet and i've i've noticed it um a couple times but are the the tires themselves or the the type of yeah the type of rubber yep. on the tire that is on the wheel um i have well like you mentioned i have some zip wheels and 808s and and they and they come with continentals and um which are the well, they, preferred? They don't come with them. They just they yours have. You don't have the preferred tire, by the way. You, right. You have a, well, that's what I was going to get. At. I, that's what I was going to okay. get at. I I was having flats all the time, so I switched to a Gator Skin uh, tire, which helps with. I haven't had a flat um, in a long time. With Knock that. on wood, quick. Yeah, quick. Don't don't, don't jinx myself. Okay. But but the continent, the regular four thousand Continentals were flattened all the time for me. And I was getting sick of it. Now I've noticed that my times have dropped slightly, or the my uh, mile per hour has dropped slightly because of those those tires. So I didn't know if if you had any thoughts on whether or not to sw- switch back to Continental four thousands for the for racing or switching them out often. I that's what I'm weighing trying to switch to well, four thousand for a race versus training. So here's yeah, here's my thought on tires. First off, tires, um, and again, I'm going to use race cars because I, I know a lot about race cars. The tire to use for race cars changes. Some company will come out with something. They'll be the, the hot tire for a while. There for a while I had these ones called Michelin Pilot uh, PS2s. Uh, and they were like the – when I track, they still had grip for like every day. But Because uh, I essentially was buying a tire for my car that I could drive around. I didn't drive the car a lot, but when I did, I could drive it on the street. It wasn't a complete slick, but it also was good on the racetrack. Well, then there's a Pirelli that was really good. I mean, you know, so a different company came out with different stuff, and um, and and cycling's the same way. There's a couple good, you know, Victoria out there. There's Michelin. There's Continental. Uh, I think Pirelli actually makes that. There's actually there's a lot of companies out there, and I think Continental right now is kind of like the top of the is the cream of the crop right now. The, the tire that most people use on their aero wheels, and they do it when they test because they most people recommend it, is the Continental uh, uh, 4000 GP2s. I have that on both sets of my race wheels. So I have 404s and 808s. They both have that tire. My road bike actually, I think, has that tire right now. But my training wheel set has gator skins for that exact reason. One, I want them heavier. I want to train with the heaviest wheel set that I have. I have this wheel set that is just a clunker, but 
that's what I like. I want the heavy wheel set. So when I use the arrow wheels, all of a sudden, wow, that feels different. But uh, I use the gator skins for the flats. Um, your wheel is getting most of your aerodynamic advantage. So you having those, you know, whatever tires you have in there, it's, it's not the biggest deal. But um, since you ride all the time on your 808s, maybe switching out the tires for race day wouldn't be a bad idea. I almost wonder if your tires before the flatting all the time, flatting all the time is not a normal thing. If you're flatting a lot, there's something in the tire or wrong with the tire or maybe on your rim that's causing the problem. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. Uh, and, or, I mean, you either have really bad luck or something else is causing the problem. <laughs> um, I had a friend who was flatting a lot. And he's like, oh, man, these tires just suck. I was like, well, let's look at it. And you, we looked at it, and I you know, ran my fingers around it, which you want to be careful in case it is glass. Nothing. He flatted again. We got back, and I said, you know, let me, let me take a look at these. And I really – so I turned the tire inside out and was looking. And sure enough, there was something embedded. You just couldn't see it. Uh, because it was kind of sitting on the level, so when you ran your fingers through it, and it was at, at this point in time, he had like four flats. Um, it's like he was fourth one. He had some, and it just kept kind of popping through, and he, he you know, it, it rub when it hit the road, it would push it through, and it would pop. And usually, there's something else causing it. I've had another. I've had a lot of people come in. What they'll do is your, you have something around your rim called rim tape that keeps the sharp edges from popping. And if it's out of whack, or if it's not very good, or sometimes it doesn't cover the hole where the um the valve goes through well enough it'll cause flats a lot and so i think a lot of people the flats like that if you're flatting a lot there's something else wrong and, and to be quite honest with you sometimes it's just cheaper to go get a new tire i know it's like oh man i don't want to spend 70 bucks on a tire well you're going to spend 70 bucks on five tubes over the next <laughs> you'll you catch know. up yeah <laughs> yeah or you're going to think it's a problem they're going to buy you know just buy a whole new set of tires and be like oh man i I got these because, I mean, you may have done, did the same thing. Now, I, I don't disagree with you. I think getting gator skins is um, is a good idea. I, I train on gator skins, um, and I always make sure I've got that because it's the way to – it's just uh, – why not, you know? Mm-hmm. It's heavier. Right. Right. It's bulkier. I don't have to worry about on training day getting a flat, although you know, if you've never changed a flat, you should practice. Still practice, um, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I, I think bike stores should have more like uh, – where you change flats, they just keep tubes that have had flats, and they put like a quick patch on them, and they and they but they they pop them somehow, and you know find different things. But uh, that, that's that's neither here nor there. My own, my own bike store, I'll do that. Um, so there is a difference in yeah in tire, and then you start talking about tire widths and tire pressure. Again, that is, I, I bet you tire pressure. If we got the right people on here, we could have a four hour podcast on tire pressure. <laughs> it's, it's, And, you know, I've tried a lot of different ways, but, you know, you start talking about that and width and stuff like that. I think for the most part, everyone's, everyone does the 23 and now everyone says now the big thing is, oh, 23 is too skinny. It's not really as fast. The 25 and 28s are faster, but, um, you know, some bikes don't, you can't actually put a 28 or 25 in. So don't, don't try it. If you've been using 23, stick with 23s. Um, but yeah, so I, I think the Continental, the, the GP 4000 S2, is that it? GP, you know what? I'm going to walk over. Brief, brief break. Da, 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 da. Play some music for us. Yeah, Continental Grand Prix 4000 S2. Bam. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the, that's like the tire of the, the race, tire of the times right now. And the race I think tire. it's, I, yeah. yeah. And I think it's the best tire out there. Uh, I have, I have it on my road bike. I've got it on two sets of, two sets of race wheels. And I think it's on my wife's bike as well and i've got gator skins i only use conti um and that honestly is partly because 
I mean, I think the Gator Skin is one of the best tires out there for not flatting. I think the GP4000 is the fastest tire out there, so that's why it's Conti right now. But, you know, in two years, Michelin will come out with something cool, and, and I'll get shiny, and I'll probably buy it, and I'll be singing a different tune. <laughs> Who uses Conti? Michelin's where it's at. Losers. But, yeah, that, but that's bike technology. That's the whole point of why we're talking about bike technology. It changes so much and so rapidly, so often, just so so drastic sometimes that you have to keep up with it. And, you know, if you want to – you can go full bore and every year be buying the latest and greatest. Or you can, you know, every five years when it's time to replace stuff, you replace it. But if you can get something better, you know, do it. You know, if you have to replace your components, your components – your components, you build, it's either time for a new bike – or new components for you, right? Um, being, yeah. being, I mean, I, I think, I think, honestly, it's time for a new bike for you. It doesn't, you know, you've had so many modifications because uh, we're going to talk neck, you know, just issues on the fitting for the bike. Plus, right. you also, yeah, you need to cut. I don't know what you do for bikes. I don't even know what to do. You, you ride like a horse. I mean, <laughs> what are you six five? Uh, six four, yeah. <laughs> you're shrinking, okay. Six four. I mean, yeah, but your bike. I can't even put my leg, and I'm six two and a half, and I can't put my leg over your bike. Well, I've got, uh, it's one of those things where my legs are really long, my torso is kind of short, so the inseam from my hip to my foot is really long. Yeah, and it's, but you might, and, and I think if you do get a new bike, you, you save up maybe a little extra longer, or you, you know, you, you, you sell an extra couple pints of plasma, and, and you get <laughs> DI2. I think, like I said, I think if someone's buying a bike, and they have the means to spend the extra 400 to to $1,000 it costs to go from regular old regular Ultegra to di2 um i think it's if you have the means to or you can maybe save just that little extra you know a couple extra months to do it i think you're silly not to because i think it's just it's the way it's going i think electronic shifting is where it's at and given that it's programmable i think it's the way to do it uh aero wheels i think for race day or um are are smart i I like them they do make a difference uh lightweight i don't bother with as much but i think once you're kind of doing the things previously mentioned you're already kind of that lightweight if you're buying a bike with the i2 it's not gonna be a heavy bike it's gonna be a lightweight bike your aero wheels are gonna be lightweight yeah yeah so um yeah because there's lots out there and i'm sure you know again you can always email us facebook us uh let us know if there's something we you know you want to talk about technology wise there's tons of it out there uh this is this this is kind of the part two of bike we're only going to have two parts of the bike uh we do plan on having another having a section on on running uh we're gonna have uh, our running specialist brandon litz back on he's going to talk to us about running stuff uh shoes and um whatnot i think he and bill will be talking about i've been talking most of the bike ones but i think bill and brandon will be talking more of that one uh, and then we'll have a swim one, which I have no idea. We'll find maybe somebody we can talk to about that. I mean, that, that technology will, you know, including like wetsuits and stuff like that, swim skins and all that stuff. And we can maybe even talk amongst ourselves. Maybe we don't need a specialist for that, but, um, lots, lots to talk about. We'll have those, uh, our next podcast, uh, is going to be, you know, next week. And we're going to talk, it's Bill and I, it'll be our, our, our week of the race. So, uh, leading up to today, the race. Yeah. Yeah. Today is the what's it what is today 19th I don't know, 19th yeah we yeah. race on the 30th so we're gonna have a podcast we're gonna talk about what we're doing you know getting ready in the the week week and a half previous uh before no actually this sunday will be a week so if we do it monday right. yeah we're less than a week away shit that's coming up fast <laughs> all right um man seriously so we're just gonna talk to you guys about what we're feeling what we're doing uh and then we'll probably have one uh we'll do one as we're going down and, and maybe even have a little bit of uh, while we're on course I think some of the people on our team are gonna 
put together a little audio. So uh, this was a, the last couple podcasts have been long, I know. So thanks for listening to the whole thing. If you did, if you didn't, hippies. <laughs> uh, but uh, the next couple might be long as well. But we're gonna we're gonna talk to you like what we're feeling like. Like I said, just you know, want to want to emphasize again that you know we're the everyday triathlete. And we want to talk about what we're doing leading up to the race. You know, we don't have a coach telling us what to do. We don't have our sponsor. We don't have any. You know, we don't have to do that. I guess we don't have to do interviews with sponsors. But we don't have all this stuff. You know. Oh yeah, my make sure my electrolyte level is at twelve point three two. That's probably a really bad electrolyte level, but you know what I mean. <laughs> We're doing what normal people would do. No. I'm gonna need a banana. <laughs> Billy, you want a banana? That works. That's right. Yeah. Uh, We're just trying to get through it. Yeah, just trying to get through it. So we're going to have that. Then we'll have a post-race that we'll do. So we'll have kind of a little series uh, uh, for our Ironman and, and talking about that. And then we'll get back to the to the running and the swimming. And then we'll probably start uh, some sort of series or chats about the uh, indoor season coming coming upon us. The For the winter months, yeah. The trainers and where do you run, swim, and all that stuff. So that's that's kind of that's a preview of what's coming up. Um, you know, if you have any questions, it's zionsville tri team at gmail.com look up zionsville triathlon and cycling team on facebook let us know if you have any ideas questions comments concerns uh uh any of that stuff if you've got one of those sweet bikes we were talking about the p5x the and you want to send us a cool picture of it that'd be great too you know i love i love seeing all that cool technology so um but yeah we'd love to hear from you yeah yeah and uh so yeah um Hopefully this was somewhat insightful. I feel like, yeah, I always kind of put my spin on everything. So you guys got Lauren's opinion on, on bike tech, I guess, <laughs> which is probably the most valuable thing you can possibly take. That's I mean, right. That's, exactly. Yeah, yeah nothing, nothing is more important. So <laughs> uh, give a shout out to, to a sponsor, uh, Be Happy Peanut Butter. I think we've done it before, but it's just so delicious we have to do it again. It, we, yes, we have uh, to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we, yeah, I think everyone on the team, is. we were just talking about that. Like, what a great sponsor to have because uh, their peanut butter is awesome. Yeah, we all we all eat it anyway, and now we all are eating it. Like it's like one of those things. Like oh, we'll like buy an extra thing of it. But yeah, um, be having peanut butter if you haven't tried it. Find it. I don't think it's on Amazon yet for people that aren't in the kind of the indie the Zionsville Indianapolis area. But you can uh, Target has it. Uh, the farmers market has it. You can go on their website for just just the letter B and then happy uh, peanut butter. Look it up. Try it. It is. It's amazing. It's it, Yeah, it's fantastic. I'm actually eyeballing a, a thing of it right now. I'm probably going to snack on it. I've been snacking on them. It's been my, like, between breakfast and lunch snack. Usually it's a, a spoon or four full of that. So thanks to, thanks to them for sponsoring us. Uh, we love having them. Uh, and, yeah, until next time. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>